Thank you, Silas. Well, good evening, church. Um, before I get started into what uh, the Lord has for us tonight, I just want to take a moment to, again, just recognize all the talented students we have up there that can sing and play all these instruments. It's awesome. It's great. Every single Wednesday night, uh, we get to come and listen to uh, them lead us to worship very well, and especially having been uh, talking to other youth pastors and stuff like that for the past few years, not every church has this, has students that are faithful to get here early on Wednesday nights to practice and actually, you know, know the words to the songs and the right notes to hit and all the musical stuff that I don't really know, so I'm not going to get into, but it's just awesome and a blessing to me. But um, as I start tonight, uh, before we really get into it, I want to say this will kind of be a bit of a different sermon, um, especially for me personally, because um, as some of you at least know, I'm not quite sure how quick the grapevine runs around here, but I told the students Wednesday night that I'm going to be stepping aside from my position here as middle, middle school resident and vocational ministry altogether and actually going to be starting law school, which is a big change in life for me and life plans, obviously, and one I really did not necessarily see coming. So when Chad asked me to preach tonight, he asked that I kind of talk about that journey, the process the Lord has had me in for the last several months now, um, and intertwine that into the sermon. So tonight is going to be themed largely on that decision, the process behind it, and what really went into that for me, which I am not a big fan of. I hate talking about myself, uh, but I do feel it's necessary to, uh, to get to the point of tonight, and I'm thankful to be able to share my heart with y'all tonight and the journey the Lord's had me on. And even as I was kind of just feeling awkward about having to talk about myself tonight, um, I thought about something that uh, the SLU students do in student ministry, that Ford has all the 201s to the second year SLU crew share their testimony on Wednesday nights uh, in the spring, and I always think it's one of the best things that we do. Because so much more so, like they might get something out of me and Ford every now and then. They might tune in and pick up on something. But when it's when one of their peers sharing with them the way that God's uh, worked in their lives, the things he's done with them, struggles they've had, I always think it's some of the most impactful things that we do in student ministry. I'm very glad that Ford challenges and stretches those students to share and be open in that way. And then it's always awesome to see how open and vulnerable they really are. And it impacts me. Uh, I love getting to hear just the work that the Lord's doing in their life. So I hope that this serves the same way tonight. And so we're normally, I would kind of pick a particular passage, one the Lord's had on my heart, and break it down and then try to push towards the application in our lives. Tonight is actually going to be kind of the inverse of that, where I'm going to talk about the application in my life, how God's pointed things out to me through Scripture. Then I'm going to work backwards towards those Scriptures that God has had on my heart what he has taught me through what has been a tumultuous last year or so for me personally getting here. And my hope tonight is that you do not just hear my story, because, you know, who cares? You can just talk to me about that whenever. Because that's not my ultimate goal. I just hope that it might be used as an encouragement or a catalyst for something God may be needing to do in someone else's life tonight. So now that I've kind of laid all that out there, set the scene for us, Let's just get going on this decision, this process, how it came to be, why did it come to be, all the questions, and let me just start from the top and walk us through it. So this path 
of going to law school was one that I actually was considering when I first went to college. I've always had an interest for it. It is not just completely out of left field for me, but the timing of it certainly has struck me by surprise and even made me, you know, argue with God, why is it happening this way? Why have I spent three years doing this? Am I getting behind? And even as Ernest was sharing this morning about the path that the Israelites took out of Egypt and how it didn't really make sense to them, the way they were going. There's a much easier direct route to go, but they were kind of going the scenic route, you could say, around here. And it just was striking me as like, that's exactly the things I've been processing with this decision. It was not something that was on my radar at all, in fact. I was very much uh, starting to talk to other churches and pray for where God was leading me to be a youth pastor somewhere. As I knew, my time at Colonial Heights being a resident had an expiration date on it. It was not a permanent position. So one of those that um, was probably the closest with, everything seemed right about it, loved the pastor there. Um, I had to say no to right before the summer started because the Lord just put it on my heart that that is not the place for me. And I was quite confused, not sure what to do at that point. Um, and I just, it was right before the summer. And as you know, if you're the parent of a student or a student, the summer can get pretty crazy, can get pretty busy. I was traveling a lot. We had a lot going on. So I kind of put all that on the back burner for a while. Where I'm like, I'm just going to focus on the summer, have a good time going to camps and trips like that. And then we'll come to this uh, later on. And it was actually my final trip of the year. Uh, went to D.C. with the SLU group right here, a lot of them right here. Um, and that's where it first kind of came to me again. As they were talking about how we're to be leaders in the world and Christian leaders and the way we can use the things God's gifted us with for his glory. They were talking about all that. I was like, oh, that's all good stuff. But suddenly it started, like it came back up to me, just thinking about how um, I'd thought about that before. Like, you know, oh, you know, not doing ministry and uh, doing law school, which was just kind of like a, oh, that's a cool thought. And then a girl came up to speak that um, was a lawyer that had actually been doing things to use that for God's glory. And in fact, she had actually gotten out of college, gone and been a school teacher for a few years, hated it, which has not been my experience, but hated it, and then felt like she was uh, led to go back into law school. And to see the cool story of how God had worked in her life, I was like, that's kind of crazy after I was just having those thoughts. But still, I didn't give that much thought to it at that point, at that time. But later that day, it just kind of hit me again, thinking about how I had considered that once, and I just started going through all the reasons that this was a dumb idea, trying to talk myself out of it. Oh, no way that can happen. Like, you know, I'm in ministry now. I love getting to do what I do right now, and I'm excited about the next step that God has for me. But for some reason, it just kept coming up for about the next day as I'm going through museum after museum on that next day. And I started to think and even look at stuff. I'm like, okay, how realistic is this really? And asking God, why are you putting this on my heart right now? Because it doesn't make sense. And so I come home after uh, that trip. And here's one thing. I know I've not been married that long. I'm just now getting close to two years of marriage. Uh, so I'm not experienced, not trying to act like I know anything. But one thing I did know if this was actually something from God, then Caroline probably going to need to be on board with it. So I come back, and I was just like, okay, this is how I put it in my head. I'm like, I'm going to come, share it with her, and when she freaks out or gets hesitant or is like, mm, then I'll be like, all right, you're right, I'm being crazy, and just let it pass me by. So get back, 
I'm a big breakfast guy. We often go to Primo's on Saturday mornings, and we were sitting in Primo's, and uh, I was like, okay, I have to kind of tell you something. It's kind of crazy. Don't freak out. But anyways, I've just kind of had this thought in my mind about, you know, I feel like something's tugging on me to look at this about, you know, seeing about law school, going and doing that, and I let her know all that. Uh, I tried to warn her even of how hard that would be, changes that would have to be made in our lives, all the excuses that I had been running through my head even, but she was still very supportive from the get-go, even saying, like, I've always known you could do that, I've always seen that in you, and said, we will make it work. And so I was like, well, not getting the out from her. So next step, I start looking at, okay, when and how you take the LSAT. So I get signed up for it, order a book of practice tests, and really just kind of said, all right, I'm going to work towards it this fall. I'll keep praying and seeing what God wants me to do. But like, I got time. And if he shuts that door, then I'll know that's not what I was really supposed to do. And so it was all easy going for a few months in the fall. I was just doing my normal church stuff, um, enjoying that, spending some time at night, working on a practice test here and there and a lot of praying, a lot of seeking God's will, but I wasn't really too worried yet. I was just thinking, that's a future Nathan problem, right? Like right now, I'm just sitting here, no big deal. Like that's in a couple months. But then the time for me to take the test hit pretty quick. I then knew that I had three weeks before I got the score back, and all of a sudden, the decision really weighed on me. It hit me like, okay, this is real now. Like, okay, it's actually coming. The time to make a decision is not some distant thing. It's very real. That sent me to a, a tough spot in my life with just anxiety running through all these uh, variables in my head. I had every thought in my head of, uh, am I running away from this call of ministry that I thought I had? What will people think? What will people say? Am I sure about this? Can I handle this? Those are all the things that I, and the doubts that started to creep in. And I quickly got a little bit of paralysis by analysis as I could not really clearly think about this decision because I was thinking about too much at the time. And you see that big question for me that was really weighing on me that I kept coming back to was, was I running from this call to ministry that I thought God had on my life? And it ate away at me. I began to doubt and think, is it really God leading me down this path or am I just wanting to do it? I even thought, am I going to somehow be a, a lesser Christian because of walking away from working at a church? And you see, I know y'all probably will not remember this at all, and that's totally okay. But the last time I preached on a Sunday night, I shared about the parable of the prodigal son and walked through that story and potentially and mainly wanted to focus on the older brother because a lot of times the older brother is just kind of thrown in there at the end. It's like, oh, yeah, the older brother kind of a stick in the mud, wasn't happy for his brother, wasn't partying. Okay, but for me, that's the one that convicts me every single time because I do have a tendency to hold myself to way too high of a standard and even fall into living legalistically at times. And I get so blinded to it. I even said then, like, I'm so blinded to it. And even in this, I was blinded to it. I didn't realize that's what I was doing, where I really was thinking that I would somehow be less, God would be less satisfied in me if I walked away from vocational ministry. But luckily, in God's providence, he began speaking to me during this time in a couple different ways that I want to share with y'all. And number one was actually a sermon series we were going through on Sunday nights in the fall where the elders were actually leading. And they did a great job. It was awesome to hear from them. But really just being reminded of these lay leaders in the church that helped guide us as a church body and getting to hear about their life some and knowing some of them for pretty much 
uh, all my life. It was a great reminder of what the Christian life is supposed to look like and what ministry and actions really supposed to look like. And men of like a wide age range, ones that I can look to and say, that's where I want to be in 10, 20, 30, I'll stop there, years. <laughs> men that have such great kingdom impact. It was a reminder to me that we are all in ministry together, all Christians. There's no special ones just because they happen to work at a church. And that was comforting for me. And then secondly, really the culmination of all that is the conversation that I was able to have with Pastor Chad the day that I'd actually gotten my score back on the LSAT. And he did not know any of this at the time. He had just scheduled a meeting to be like, okay, where are you at with like other churches? When do you think you're leaving? Like what's kind of a plan? And he didn't know that I was about to be like, actually kind of change of plans. And so I walked in there, talked to him about it all, talked to him about the doubts I was having, my worries, my hesitations. And he reminded me just of the truth that, well, you know, sometimes we like using the whole call to ministry, call, call, call to this, that the call that we have in scripture is not some special call for different people, although we are gifted and led in certain ways. But the call in scripture is on all Christians to ministry and making disciples. And that's no matter the occupation, no matter the phase of life, we all should be participating in and answering that call to make disciples of all nations. So from that moment, I was set. I was like, okay, I got a little bit of clarity. I applied, got in, have been moving forward in that process, but I do not want to bore you all with any more of those details. But it really has been amazing to see God continue to open doors and just confirm it in me in all sorts of ways to really show that, yeah, this is the path that he has for me. And he's been super faithful in that for me. But now, as I said, the reason I'm up here is to point us to scripture. This is not a TED talk or something. I want to use this testimony to challenge us tonight, to remind us of the call that is on our lives if we truly proclaim to be followers of Christ. And I got a lot of what I'm going to share um, in the mornings in Honduras as I was you know, kind of stuck on what to share because I was so challenged by this, like having to talk about myself, share all that the Lord's been doing in me, and then somehow weave that into a sermon in Scripture, um, what verses to use as I'd search through. And uh, so I kind of went to ones that I really cling to during this decision the last couple months and really came upon three different passages I want us to look at tonight with really only three points that are going to be real simple because i got to go out with a good Southern Baptist three-point sermon, right? So first, the first uh, point I have is that we're all called. We're all called. And in that, you can imagine where we're going to go. We're going to look at the Great Commission. So if you have your Bibles, open up to Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Um, and it reads like this. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. I even have that. I had a pastor or something. I don't know where I was. I can't remember it. But they told me to bracket around that. And I have brackets around it and wrote life's purpose underneath it. If it's Pastor Chad that told me to do that, I'm sorry. They don't remember you doing it. But I can't remember. But I have that on there. And I love that because it's just such a reminder every time I come to this passage. Remember, that is our purpose in life. There's no other purpose greater than that. So let's look at that command again. When we, when we read through that, I don't seem to see anything in there that says, once you go to seminary, go therefore, 
I don't see anything in there that says, go therefore if you're in ministry, go therefore if you're living on a mission field. I don't see any of that. So what that means is that none of us are excluded from the Great Commission. That means that all of us should constantly be making disciples. And I thought about how do we do that? And again, this is very like elementary stuff here, but I think it's important for us to be reminded of because sometimes we let it slide by when we don't remember it. So we do that, firstly, by sharing the gospel, bringing in new believers. I was very blessed recently to get to go to that trip uh, to Honduras, not just to get on the seesaw with Kylie, as we saw a picture of, but uh, also to watch these students share the gospel with people so well, right? It was awesome to just get to see them time and time out, as we were even talking about in SLU a little bit ago, right? Just seeing that stretching happen, where they're having to learn how to speak through a translator, which can be challenging at times. Um, we had really great ones, which made it easy, but just having that stretching moment of like, okay, this is how I'm sharing, this is how I need to have that conversation, even hearing, you know, getting different responses from people. It wasn't all like, they're all like, yep, we're saved immediately, and just being reminded that uh, we're all called to do that, and getting to watch them was a huge blessing to me, but one thing that really stuck out to me about that week that I come back being reminded of is what they would say at night when we would have kind of a little bit of church group time is that they kept pointing to that it's been great. They've loved learning how to share the gospel in a different context and in a better way. But I remember at least a few of them saying that's not just something for that week. They knew that it wasn't just for while they were on a mission trip, but something that we all needed to bring home with us to look for more opportunities of where we can share the gospel like that in our everyday context. Because we're not called to make disciples just when we sign up and go on a mission trip or just the one hour a week we serve somewhere, but every day in all that we do, we should be looking for those opportunities to point the world around us towards Christ. So sharing the gospel is obviously step one. And the second, if you know, is that one where he talks about teaching them all that he's commanded you, teaching and the actual act that we would say in the Southern Baptist world of discipling. We need to be pouring into brothers and sisters in Christ, encouraging them in their walk, giving them the opportunities to stretch themselves and grow in spiritual disciplines. And they then get to go tell others about him. And then they get to come alongside them and teach them and build them up as well. And it keeps multiplying, right? There's a book called Multiply talking about this exact thing. That should be the action of the church. That's what we're called to do right here. That's our life's purpose. That's what it's supposed to look like. And we have to, as a church, take it up as a challenge that we would be the ones that are disciple makers at all times, no matter the occupation we have, no matter the phase of life we are in. Again, there's no age too young to share the gospel, none too old. God has you there for a purpose. Don't let it pass you by because it goes by quick. Don't just wait on someone else to do it. God has a task for you. He would not call you in this way that he is in the Great Commission if he didn't have a purpose for you. So look for it, find it, and do it. The world needs us to be disciple makers. And it's really easy when you come to this. I even talked about this Wednesday night. But when you look at something like that, where it's like all the nations all go outside, where it's easy when it's such a big task, such a big thing ahead, where it's like, okay, yeah, I'm just going to kind of live right, do my thing, and other people are doing that. We have the votes going to France. We have the uh, Edgars in um, Uganda, and we have others in other places. It's like, so that's great. They're doing that. We have you know, mission trips where we can do it for a week. But the thing is, God has an individual 
task for each and every one of us within this. It's an individual calling as much as it is the corporate calling for all Christians to do it. Because all Christians means all. That means individually you and you and me all should be making disciples. So we know that we're all called in this. There's no excuses for it. But then the question may arise of how. How are we supposed to like all be called and go and share and do these things? And again, very simple, it's in everything. I think in everything we do, everywhere God has put our sphere of influence is our territory for making disciples. Let's look at Colossians 3. Colossians 3, verse 17. says, whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now, I'm sure that's a verse you're familiar with, that you've heard before. It's pretty standard in the church world. But while we may all know it, sadly, sometimes I think we forget what it is saying to us. And it goes a little context on that because I don't want to just pick out a random verse and throw it because it sticks. Paul has just finished telling the church here to throw away the old sinful flesh, to put on the new self that we gain from the Holy Spirit. So he's really just outlining what it looks like to be a Christian how we put to death the sinful ways of the flesh and how we come to this new life in Christ that we can experience. And then I think he's basically just wrapping it all up. That would be like his thesis statement of what he's trying to say. And he's basically just saying, whatever you do, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when I hear a sentence like that, it's easy to think like, yeah, that makes sense. We're all in church. Y'all are here on a Sunday night in the middle of a storm. Like, y'all get that. We should be doing everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then I think, do we really do everything in his name? Is everything for him? Do we realize what that actually looks like, what that actually is a call for? And what that means is we work whatever job we have to the very best of our ability in a Christ-honoring manner for him. It's in parenting. It's in time with your spouse, time with friends, time at school, all of it is for him. And sometimes we even kind of like to separate our lives in sections, right? You have, you know, work, family time, recreation time, and then you have your church time too. But what this is telling us is that regardless of the circumstance we find ourselves in, everything we do should be living for him and pointing to him. We should be looking for our opportunities to make disciples, to point others to the rock of our lives, Jesus, not just when we're on the mission trips, not just when we're at church, not just when it's easy, but at all times. And it's easy to get distracted by those things because sometimes work can become an idol. School can become an idol. Basketball, sports, uh, whatever recreational things you're good at. Music, like a lot of these students, can become an idol and something that God's gifted us with can become a distraction from him. And when I was thinking about that, I was reminded um, of a quote from a basketball coach that I really like, Pat Riley. Um, Pat Riley coached, what he's most known for was coaching the Showtime Lakers, Magic and Kareem. And he had a quote where he said, keep the main thing the main thing. And I love that. And I think it's a reminder of exactly what this is saying is that all these things that we do, that's good stuff. That's what God's blessed us with. God's given us certain things we enjoy, but we got to keep the main thing the main thing. Because just like their goal and his goal was to try to get two polar opposites and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who's like the kind of weird 
spiritual dude that was like social justice warrior and Magic Johnson, who let's say loved the world a little bit too much, to get them to come together and to make a team with the great talent they've been given to win championships, which they won a lot of because they did keep the main thing the main thing. But we have a goal, we have a task that's so much higher and greater than in NBA finals, and that's reaching the world, making disciples of all the nations. And so we use these things that God blessed us for, for him, not for us. Because again, from these verses, I'm getting that God has you where you are for a purpose. And sometimes it might not feel like it. You might not like where you are right now, but you can trust that God has you there for a reason and he's sovereign over it. So look for that reason and use it. If you're sitting there thinking, oh man, I don't really have a way to, or you don't have the time to, or you're just more timid. That's not your personality. I want to remind you again that we are all called in this work together and God has you where you are and made you the way you are for the purpose of enacting that great commission. So we have to look at everything we do as we are doing it for him. That is what the life of a believer should look like. And now we know that we're all called and that we're all called in everything we do. But what's the ultimate purpose of that? What's like the, the chief end of that? And it's for his glory. And that's my real last point here, for his glory. And that's all pretty simple altogether. We're all called in everything we do for his glory. That's what this whole thing is about. That is what I kept coming to when I thought about my life, when I thought about this change, going to school, is being reminded that it's not for me, it's not about me, it is for his glory alone. Turn with me now to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We're going to look at a verse that it's interesting as Paul's writing a letter to a, to a different church. It sounds very similar to the one that he wrote to the church in Colossae, which is just a reminder that this is a need for all Christians to be reminded of. As he's telling separate churches this, he says in verse 31 of chapter 10, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Right? Sounds pretty similar to what we saw in Colossians. He's just been addressing a problem here in the church between the Jews and the Gentiles over can they eat meat, sacrifice to idols or not, and all that goes into that. It's a very interesting thing to dive into that I like to uh, think about, but we're not going to do that tonight. Because the point again is, hey, that all the semantics, all the little legalistic rules we can put in, all the things that we as people can, you know, make the waters a little murky, doesn't matter. If we're doing everything for his glory then we're going to be walking right in his will and doing the right thing. So that shows us that we just what we just talked about in everything we do, the reason we do that is because it's an opportunity for us to point others to him. And so, of course, everything we should be doing should be for his glory. The cool thing about that, though, is that he gives us those different interests. He gives us those skills, things we love to do that so we can enjoy giving him glory, right? I even try to do that just in like hobbies, like, because I like doing things where you can do it with other people, like going golfing, duck hunting, turkey hunting with people, except with my dad, he's just like, why are you walking so much the whole time we do it? But, you know, I like to use that opportunity to try to have, like, at least some meaningful conversations with people, because it's easy for me to just joke around a lot, but to try to have those sometimes, um, and, you know, even talk about Christ, because God has given me that interest, a love for being outside and in the outdoors for a reason, and it's not just so I can kill stuff and play really bad golf. That's not why he gave me those interests. And in the same way, um, God's had me in a job here at the church that I've loved these last three years. And 
I hopefully have been able to teach the students at least something and get to point at them a little bit, even though, honestly, they've probably taught me a lot more than I could ever teach them. And that is going to look different now as I shift into law school. But guess what? The goal doesn't change. The mission doesn't stop. It's just a new mission field in that classroom, at internships, at a job three years from now. Because, again, I want to leave us with this challenge tonight that I am certain God has at least someone in your path right now or something he wants you to do right now where he wants to make you to, you to make disciples, if not more. It might be someone at work. It might be your kid that you stay home with. It might be a classmate, a friend in the neighborhood, anything. But God doesn't just have you in the phase of life you're in for no reason. It's for a purpose, and we know our life's purpose is the Great Commission, so it's that. God has called us in everything we do to bring him glory. So I ask you, what is God calling you to do tonight? What mission field does he have you in? And are you seeing it as a mission field? Are you really seeing it that way? Find that person. Use what God has gifted you with to make much of his name, not your own. And as I close tonight, um, before we go into a time of worship, I want to just take a time to say what a blessing it has been for me to be a part um, of this church for pretty much my whole life. Um, and to get to continue doing that since God changed it, since I thought I was going to leave. A church that's poured into me, discipled me from a young age on. Um, right? We don't want to talk too much about the Little C Church, but this one is special to me. I know it's about the big church, the main church, but it's special to me. So I'm glad to get to still be a part of it. Um, as I was just thinking through uh, you know, different phases of life, knowing that you know, I'm thankful for people like Diane, Barbara, and Craig that poured into me, uh, leaders that served in those areas that poured into me. Um, I think about Dr. Brown, um, who now I've gotten to serve with in a different way uh, as kind of a leader on the middle school side of things and just the way he's faithfully served our church for so many years um, to continue to hang out with middle schoolers for as long as he has is awesome because special group of kids all the time. And it's the only reason um, that I've been able to hopefully give back a fraction of what uh, this church has given me. I was really like, I'm not going to do that. But anyways, um, I'm thankful for this church. I know it's ultimately about the bride of the church. But this church, for me, um, goodness, is the reason that I'll get to meet a grandfather that I never knew one day. It's the reason I had parents to teach me the truth of the gospel. It even gave me a pretty great wife, which that took a true act of God there. So having these three years to be able to serve and hopefully give back just a fraction of what um, it gave me was something I'll cherish for a lifetime. So thank you, and let's worship because I can't keep staying up here. <laughs>